Welcome to Therapy is Cool. I'm your host, Molly Zive. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and mental health advocate. The mission of this podcast is to normalize feelings and create a positive narrative around engaging in a healing process. This is not to substitute for therapy. If you'd like to find out more, go to therapyiscoolpodcast.com. Please rate, subscribe, and share. Take care. Welcome. I am here with another really great clinician, Sarah Ebert. She is a marriage and family therapist. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you are someone who, when we first met, you were a lead on the team that we were working on. And you have always been someone I really look up to and like a mentor. And you have all this really great training. So I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you. I Yeah, that was uh that was feels like another life ago. <laughs> it was another life ago. So you are full time in private practice now. Yes, I, I'm full time in a group practice, and I've been there full time for probably about a year now. Wow. Yeah. So what does your clientele look like? Who do you work with? So I um I work with a whole range of folks. Um, gosh, my youngest are about six. Wow. I know. <laughs> they, and it's it's such a cool place to kind of work with um, people because developmentally and what people are taking on. And it's a great opportunity to really, um, you know, be this positive person in Mm -hmm. their life and and be kind of one of those anchors. And then, you know, folks into, you know, fifties, sixties all over. So, yeah. Do you, do you primarily work with a certain like gender or is it pretty even? Um, so it's pretty even, I would say, uh, when I first started as an intern, I worked with like teenage boys for seven years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you can work with teenage boys, you can work with anyone. I feel like they were the best. What did you like about them? You know, the, the honesty that they came with mm-hmm. was so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Right. And just their perspectives. And I was like, gosh, you know, how do we, do we listen to teenagers and they have so much to offer us mm-hmm. and um, you know, the humor that they brought to it. And I think it was just a good fit for me too, because I'm, you know, silly and kind of over the place. Mm-hmm. So it was a good fit. I loved it. That's really cool. Yeah. My sister turned me on, she was listening to NPR and they were featuring a podcast. I think it's called teenage therapy. Yeah. Have you listened to it? I, I have. Yeah. You know, love note from the universe. So I listened to it this morning and I just was like, so impressed and so like the amount of vulnerability and authenticity and relatability i was like where was this when i was in high school right (laughs) it was so cute to just hear them talk about their outfits for like 20 minutes i mean it goes a lot deeper but it was just like the things that i feel like i struggle with even today they were talking about their insecurities and stuff and so it was fun yeah and it's such a like interesting point of life as well because you're getting into that piece where you're trying to to separate Mm -hmm. and individuate and and try on these new cells and i feel like in doing therapy with teenagers we get to be a part of that safe base for them that they can try these new things that Mm -hmm. they can explore who they are Mm -hmm. you know i i just think it's such a great um experience you know for me and to work with the parents and Mm -hmm. and to help them to to build their confidence and 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little tricky though. I'm going to be honest about working with parents, right? You have to be very, you know, in your sort of um, choosing to work with clients, you have to make sure the parents are kind of coming from a healthy headspace, I guess. (laughs) Right. Right. And you know, that was something that I, I had to figure out how to navigate um, working in the high schools um, with, you know, my teenage boys, I didn't work with the parents as much, you know, and, and sometimes I would call and parents would be like, who are you again at the school? <laughs> like, remember, I'm the lady that talks to your kid every week. Um, <laughs> but I, I really feel like it's important for us to engage the parents as mm-hmm. well and have them be supported in this process. Mm-hmm. And I find, you know, before when I was still trying to find my footing with that, I would lose kids that mm-hmm. I had a good working relationship with because the parents really needed to feel supported mm-hmm. also. And so that's something that I've been building into my practice and working with with kids of all ages is like, how can we incorporate mom and dad and have them feel like they are confident in using some of these tools that the kids and I are working on. Mm -hmm. And I do parent only sessions, probably like every four to six visits for that reason. Yeah. And it's made such a world of difference Mm -hmm. in my practice. I bet you're so smart. I'm like already getting every time we talk, I like (laughs) walk away with like so much more knowledge where I'm just like, Oh, I never thought about it that way. You're just so wise. And I know that you've been licensed for it. We were just talking before the podcast about six years. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And so before that, how long, because not everyone's path is different. Like, did you do your hours in a certain amount of years? Like, what did that look like? Ooh, so I, <laughs> I have been at this for quite some time because I was very conservative about counting hours. So I probably started in, mm, I think it was about, 2008 mm-hmm. so it's been a while mm-hmm. um and uh you know I've had a lot of good people along the way that I've met in this field my play therapy supervisor is amazing mm-hmm. and I can't take credit for the idea of involving the families the way I did because she actually was talking to me about how that has been really important and I was like yeah duh, like light bulb but <laughs> yeah it, it, it was right in front of me and I was like of course that makes so much sense yeah <laughs> Um, I started in working in the police department. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I worked, um, in the, um, family violence support services Mm -hmm. for my internship. And I was there for about six or seven months and just worked with adults, um, who had been in a home where there was domestic violence Mm -hmm. and they were referred by this team that I worked with in um, a nonprofit and that's actually, you know, I loved working with the adults and that's also where I began to like really love working with teens because mm-hmm. I ran a teen support group. Oh, how cool. Yeah. And, and I was just like so blown away by these kids, like how smart they were, how, how much like wisdom they had to offer in the perspective. And I was like, oh my God, I, I got to do more of this. And I went to the high school when I was looking for an actual job after I graduated and, um, and people were like, oh, you want to work with teenagers? Like, I don't know about that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what comes to mind too, and I'm sure you see this in your six-year-old clients and uh, is the resiliency factor. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and that's part of our work too, is like, how do we build that resilience? Because that's going to be something that they take with them to apply to so many things later in life. Mm-hmm. If they have this skill, they're going to be able to like generalize mm-hmm. and 
and really like achieve what they want to. And mm -hmm. yeah, so true. And I love how you, I think that you were so spot on about the anchor that these kids have in a therapist. Like I know on my therapy journey, I went to a therapist after my parents' divorce and I cannot tell you like what we talked about in session. However, it allowed me to reach out for help and know that it's safe to see a therapist and talk to someone about your issues and your problems. So uh, I may not have remembered the content, but just that relationship was so impactful and like obviously probably why I became a therapist as well. So you don't know how much you are actually making an impact on someone's life, even mm -hmm. at the young, young age of like six. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it's that whole like Maya Angelou, like people don't remember what you said or what you did. They remember how you made Aww. them feel. Mm -hmm. And I like to bring that into my sessions. Like, how am I making this person feel by how I'm interacting with them? Am I providing them this space where they can't even get in contact with those feelings? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, because you may be sometimes the only person. That's so true. Wait, can we pause there for a second? Because I'm thinking about sometimes like I, I'm I don't know if I'm the only person that struggles with this, but like how hard I get on myself about like evidence based interventions and everyone needs to do their homework and it needs to look really structured. But the actual work is letting people and helping people feel comfortable enough to unravel, right? Mm -hmm. to unravel their thought process and their belief system. So I think, again, you make like a really, really good point as therapists is like, yeah, we have all this really great training. And I really want to talk about your training in just no, a no, moment. No, no, go for it. I <laughs> yeah. love this. Yeah, but that's what I believe. What yeah, makes change happen. Yeah, right? is how you make people feel is so so important. Like I don't care if you went to Harvard to and you are <laughs> the smartest person in the world. It's like, is is that going to be as effective doing therapy? It's that person to person contact, that rapport. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's you know you think about the people who you felt that space mm -hmm. with. They don't have to be that therapist. Who are these people that I feel this ability to be authentic, to put it out there and know that and trust that they're going to help me carry the end of what's very heavy for me right now. So true. Oh my gosh, I'm getting chills. <laughs> I'm getting love notes from the universe. Cause again, like on my therapy journey is like, and I'm a lot of people experience that I get clients all the time who call me and is like, you know, it wasn't a good fit with the therapist before for X, Y, and Z reason. And like, I think about the really good therapists that I've had and they've all been super real and super authentic and mm -hmm. like bringing their own challenges into therapy to be like, Hey, you're normal. You're not alone. Like this is fine. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, they get it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you're asking them to do that. True. You know, if I'm asking you to come in here and be yourself, I'm going to be myself too. And I'm going to be there with you and like give you this point of contact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, your clients are so lucky to work with you. <laughs> Seriously. So what made you want to get into this field? You know, I was trying to think of that because I was like, why is therapy cool? Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, I was like, okay, how did, where did I start on this journey? I mean, I remember taking psychology in high school, mm -hmm. right? I just thought there's something interesting to me about people and how people operate and I dropped I think my class so that I could take psychology and you know it, it was interesting and I was like I don't know I'm gonna stay this path of I want to go to school to be a lawyer and that's really surprising <laughs> Very different. yeah and because I I always wanted to help mm -hmm. I thought like gosh you know I'm this person I come from this like you know, middle class family, my parents are college educated, like I've had all these opportunities in life. How can I take 
that and help other people. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, use my what I've been given to help other people. And so I was like, how, how am I going to go about that? And so somehow law became that for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and then every elective that I took in college was psychology. <laughs> maybe on to something and I remember like those were the classes I would talk to my friends about mm -hmm. and you know all of that and so I was like okay and I graduated with my degree I it was criminal justice and then I was like mm, I don't want to I don't want to go to law school like I got to be about a junior or senior I was like this isn't it for me anymore and um I came across this job because of a friend of mine working at a homeless shelter in downtown San Diego and the best part of my day was talking to the kids about mm. what was going on with them. Mm -hmm. I ran um, a children's program. So um, that was the best thing. And I was like, this made me feel like I, I ha was really helping people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do, right? I was mm -hmm. like, how did I find this? <laughs> um, and, and then one of the girls who ran groups there, she's like, have you considered going to do like your master's in, mm -hmm. in psychology or whatever. I was like, I don't know, I've thought about that, but I'm like, am I the one? Apparently I was, and I went to school and did all that, ended up at the police station, worked in the high schools and in the middle schools, you know, went to the <laughs> job where we met, <laughs> that fateful job. And then now I'm just like, no, I'm gonna keep going. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, do this whole private practicing and see how that goes. and. Here we are. Mm -hmm. We're on therapy is cool. We're on therapy is cool. It's all full <laughs> circle. I love your story. And I think that like, I resonate also with like the law. So at San Diego State, they also have a, they have a JD like MSW program actually. So oh, you can okay. do both. But I, I think that I resonate with you where we're advocates, like we're true advocates mm -hmm. for other people. And I think that that's why law kind of was appealing to me too at a young age where I'm like, oh, I get to help and like advocate for other people. Yeah. But now we get to do it like with our feels, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a lot more comfortable for me rather than arguing. Right. Yeah. There was something about that. I was like, it doesn't quite resonate with my strengths and my gifts, mm -hmm. but I feel like it, it, it is my gift to be able to go out there and be with people and sit with them in those parts that are hard for them to sit in alone. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. So you have a lot of great experience and you also have a lot of good training. So what do you feel like is your go-to interventions in your private practice? Um, so I um, had gone ahead and done training in EMDR mm -hmm. um, for folks who are unfamiliar. It's eye movement uh, desensitization and reprocessing. It's um, so hot right now. It's so hot right now. It is there's a lot of evidence behind it. Um, I actually discovered it in my own therapy. Um, when I was in grad school, I had some experiences and this therapist just happened to have this training in EMDR. And I think after my first session, I noticed such a difference and I'm like, what just happened here? I got to know more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it's different than what a lot of people have tried in the past. You know, mm -hmm. they do the traditional thought talk therapy, which I think is very helpful, mm -hmm. but it gives this extra, this extra tool that maybe sometimes our, our cognitive processes kind of keep us from looking at, mm -hmm. right. Especially, you know, we get real good defenses and all these things and it doesn't let you hide. Um, and so I, I use EMDR, um, 
you can, you know, I think traditionally people think of it as for trauma, but really with anxiety mm -hmm. has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I like to work with folks who are um, working on their anxiety. So I use that a lot. Um, I am also trying to get more training on using that with children as mm -hmm. well. So, um, you know, keep on pursuing. I feel like you're a constant student in this field. Yes, just like yoga. Right? <laughs> I practice a lot of yoga, but it is like we can never know enough. Yeah. And I feel like right before I launched my private practice, I was like, I have to do EMDR. Like everyone's doing it now. Like I said, it's like the hot thing where uh -huh. I think that like a lot of people, you get a lot out of it. It's when we think about it traditionally, like it's trauma related and helps you kind of like move past some of the things that like you haven't been able to get to the core root of, mm -hmm. but you can use it in so many other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I went to the training, I think it really opened up that, that for me because people use it with, you know, OCD, people use it with depression mm -hmm. because you're right. It does explore like those core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And when we're really getting down to that, we're getting to more of what makes that big change happen, mm -hmm. right? We could we could talk about the things that come up week to week and we could work on problem solving and I think there's a lot of value in that, but when we get down to those those roots is how the trainer had explained it and we get to the roots and we start pulling that up and really rewiring the brain mm -hmm. through this bilateral stimulation that they do in EMDR, we start to notice how it shifts other things mm -hmm. and our perspectives on other things and yeah, that's what to me is like kind of magical. It is magical. So what is bilateral? Would you say bilateral stimulation? Bilateral stimulation. So yeah, if you you decided that EMDR was something you really wanted to look at, you're gonna have a provider who maybe they have gadgets. I have gadgets. I have um, they call them buzzies, mm -hmm. um, where someone will hold like these two little egg shaped things in their hands, and it will kind of have this buzz <laughs> that goes between each hand and it stimulates bilaterally, like both mm -hmm. sides, right, of your brain. And they, they say that it kind of, in some ways, um, like replicates how REM sleep is, where mm -hmm. you have that processing, right? That's what our brain does at nighttime as we process. Well, sometimes the experiences we have are like too much for mm -hmm. our brain to process in sleep. So. So they might use these buzzies, they might use a light bar, or they might use um, auditory um, stimulation that will go side to side and help your brain to kind of process some mm -hmm. of these experiences you've had while also at the same time maybe attending to some physical sensations that might come up, emotions that come up, images that might come up. And so it kind of incorporates everything like mm -hmm. in you. Um, to to have this kind of overall shift and change. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's a lot. Like I'm overwhelmed thinking about all the things, all the aspects that it incorporates. Like, so if I'm a client and I'm going to see you for EMDR, do you do it right away or do you start processing? No. So I, you'll you'll have to do still that background. Your therapist needs to get to know you, know you know maybe some of the resources you already have um, in terms of like skills and tools and things that help you get through those tough times. Um, and then that, you know, they'll get that full background, um, maybe in the first couple sessions, and then you might move into something that I like to give people kind of a little bit of an experience of EMDR by using some tools, like mm -hmm. using some safe place kind of imagery, mm -hmm. using some, um, 
maybe positive experiences that they've already had using role models, things like that. So they can get used to the bilateral stimulation and incorporating positive experiences mm. so that they can feel more confident when we're going to maybe some of those more difficult things. Yeah. I have experienced EMDR and it, there wasn't a whole lot like leading up to it. So oh. it, it was a little like, um, weird for me. So you're, what you're talking about is like being very cognizant of like, you know, doing the full like assessment, biopsychosocial, mm -hmm. really getting to know the strengths of your client and then making them feel comfortable before really doing, I think the comfortability piece is like what I was missing in my own EMDR, but it's, it sounds so appealing and it sounds like you could really like break a lot of barriers and like a lot more things could maybe come out of that, mm -hmm. you know, after experiencing something like that. Right. And I, you know, I think that it's, um, you know, something that, like I said, it worked for me. It was, um, just a very different experience. And you know, I like to think that I can outsmart certain things. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't outsmart the AMDR and I, that's what I liked about it. I was yeah. like, it didn't let me hide. It didn't let me, um, maybe use some of my resistance that might normally come up for all of us. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I'm still like thinking about doing the training, especially I'm like sold as soon as you're talking about, I'm like, I gotta go do this training. I gotta go offer this to people. It does sound like there's a lot of breakthroughs. Um, since going to telehealth from COVID, what has your practice sort of looked like? How have you shifted? Yeah, it's definitely been different. And it's definitely the most different. I think with working with kids, it's been a, challenge to my creativity and <laughs> how can I use um, some of my old tools <laughs> with kids now and, and it has shifted maybe how I approach things like from my theoretical orientation um, but there's a great community out there of you know professionals with great ideas uh, and great resources and I think it's really important that we stay connected mm -hmm. to each other and helping each other through all these things and you know, there's things on YouTube and there's, um, you know, things, things that I've adapted myself and I'm like, okay, I could figure out how <laughs> I do yeah. this. Um, and with adults, it's been different because of the presence piece. Mm -hmm. I think when we're in that room, there's just something energetically that happens by sharing that physical space together. Um, but somehow, you know, we, we sit there together, even on the zoom. And when we're really in it and we're really working, it kind of dissolves a bit, mm -hmm. you know, this, this space between us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I've really, it's been a shift at first, but I've really kind of acclimated <laughs> to doing the telehealth. Yeah. We have to adapt. Right. Yeah. And I feel like more people are reaching out, at least in my practice, I'm sure in your practice too, I've, you know, we, we're now that we're stuck at home and kind of like feeling our feelings and sitting with our thoughts a bit more. We don't have a bunch of distraction. It's like, maybe I need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And it looks a lot different than the traditional in office. Yeah. And you know, I, I have checked in with my clients that I saw before when we used to be in the office together. I'm like, what is this like, you know, for, mm -hmm. for you. And for the most part, everybody's been like, you know what? It was a little weird at first. But now we kind of like it, mm -hmm. you know, people are saying that it, in some ways it's a lot less stressful for them, like the process of getting there in the right. first place, they get to wear like really comfortable clothes and they don't have to worry about traffic getting there. And, you know, it, it's just, it makes it easier on them to not have the barriers that they might normally, mm -hmm. if they were in person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really hoping 
that moving forward, this is like recognized as very valuable and that people are making a lot of progress. I've had people graduate during COVID on telehealth. You know, it's happening. The work is still happening. Yeah, it, the work is still happening. Yeah. So Sarah, my good friend, why do you think therapy is cool? Therapy is cool. <laughs> <laughs> just, just let it sink in. You know, because I'm thinking this journey has been over 20 years um, <laughs> in the making. And you you're know, 21, right? You're, so it's yeah, I started at one. Um, <laughs> I was very, I was very bright. Um, I, I think it's just cool because it's, it's such an opportunity to be with people, to be together, to have this connectedness. Mm -hmm. I think when we look back, you know, at the, towards the end of our life, connectedness is what matters Yeah, to us, you know? So true. It didn't matter, you know, all those day-to-day -day work things as much, like, um, you know, the, the, the rat race of it all or whatever. You know, we look back and the things that we remember fondly are our connections with people, even the place that we met, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the best part about that was the connections mm -hmm. I made with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it just... It creates this beautiful space mm -hmm. for connectedness to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love how, I love what you're saying. And I love how it kind of, I've noticed that the more I'm doing it and the more wisdom and years that I've experienced, like being a therapist, it changes too. Like that, I think the connectedness, like if you were to ask me right when I started social work, I'd be like, well, we have to like advocate for social justice and we have to do X, Y, and Z and like really like, burning myself burning myself at both ends and there's something so simple yet the most powerful thing in the world are those connections mm -hmm. and so I, I think it just you come back around like to doing so being in private practice after working in agencies for so long that is it's really special and for me personally it doesn't feel like work you know like I, I don't know if that feels the same of course some days I have to work at it but it just feels authentic and like true to who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that's helpful for us too, as people, right? And our own growth. Yeah. Yeah. It is so true. So what, um, do you have any other wisdom for us before we wrap it up? Oh gosh. Just take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, I think we, we don't, we undervalue that sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how important it really is to us until we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. Take, slow down, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that is such good advice. And I feel like a lot of our clients come to us when it's rock bottom for them mm -hmm. and they're in crisis, quote unquote. And, uh, you know, I, think it's really fun to help people back on that journey of self-care or mm -hmm. maybe they've never even known that that's a journey that they need to go on you mm -hmm. know and be be um, really mindful of like where we put our energy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um because we only have we don't have unlimited yeah. <laughs> energy all the time and we got to save something for ourselves so that we can even be that person to other people if that's you know what mm -hmm. we really care about you know people got to be there for my sister, my mom, my this mm -hmm. person, my that person, like, 
you're not going to be able to be that person if you're not taking care of yourself. Right. There's a lot of demands in the world. What do you like to do for self-care? Well, let's see. This is, there's all kinds of things, right? I love, I love to walk like, (laughs) you know, just kind of being present and even doing like those mindful walks Mm -hmm. where, you know, there's some days I put in my headphones, I listen to a podcast, perhaps it's therapy is cool, just to say, <laughs> and perhaps it's just, I, I don't, and I, I disconnect from the technology, and I am present in the surroundings that I'm in, mm-hmm. and I'm noticing the colors, and I'm noticing, like, what that's like to be in that place mm-hmm. right then, and it helps me to kind of center and ground. Totally. We don't do that enough. We're always looking at screens. And so to be able to not look at a screen and give ourselves permission to like not bring our phone with us and go for that walk mm-hmm. because nature isn't rushing. Like that's what mm-hmm. I always notice. Is like nature, nature is like perfect the way that it is. That's why I call my cat, my mindfulness consultant. Cause like, what is she worried about? She's not stressed. She's yeah. just like taking it one step at a time. Yeah. She's like, excuse me. My bowl is not totally full and that's what I need yeah exactly and I know that you're I know another self-care thing for you is you're a big um bachelor fan I am a big bachelor fan this is you know I've been in bachelor nation for a while (laughs) (laughs) and we only have like a minute left but I love that story where you don't have to say his name but like a bachelor actually like saw you in the ER right he's a doctor um (laughs) Yeah, he was in uh, the urgent care, and I did not uh, recognize him because he was on a season when I think I was in grad school trying to do all this, right? Yeah. And so I was just like, God, this guy looks familiar. I was like, <laughs> and he was like really handsome, right? And so I was like, ugh. <laughs> oh, this guy needs to touch my this... body when it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like getting ready to leave, and I hear this person in the next room be like, weren't you the bachelor? <laughs> and I was like, what? That is insane. How did I miss that? Right. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me thank today. Thank you for having me, Molly.